Listener Production. Okay, disclaimer. I don't drive. Although, I do keep my full license so I can ride my bike around and, you know, in case of emergencies and I need to jump behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. But I have been wondering, in future, will I need to have that license at all? Is the day coming where cars will be fully autonomous and we will just shut the door? Our car asks us where we want to go, we tell it, and off we go. I'm Matthew Ward-Ages, and today on Ha! Science Explained, we're looking into what autonomous vehicles, let's call them AVs, are, what driverless driving really is, and whether we're likely to be being driven soon. Intel, the company that makes microchips for your computer amongst other things, reckons that self-driving technology will be a $7 trillion a year industry by 2050. That's a lot of money. But there's also a lot of detail that scientists, technicians, engineers, executives and policymakers need to wrap their heads around. So let's start with the science. What actually is a self-driving vehicle? So let's start with the science. What actually is a self-driving vehicle? That depends a little bit on your perspective, because for some people, a car that automates any process might well seem autonomous. But for the sake of clarity, the industry has devised six categories of vehicle automation. To make things annoying, though, the first is called automation level zero. That's because here, there's no car control. You, the driver, do everything. Level 1 refers to systems which assist the driver but don't control the vehicle. These might be things like speed notifications or proximity distance sensors. Level 2 refers to partly automated vehicles. Some level of control might be exercised to perform functions, but the driver is still in overarching control of the vehicle. Level 3 is where we're starting to step it up. The vehicle can now control and perform a range of functions, things like putting the indicators on and changing lanes when you're stuck in traffic, parking the car, sticking in highway lanes. The driver can take over, but for those functions, the car is mainly doing the job. At level four, the car can basically drive you where you need to go, to the extent that you could close your eyes and doze off, but you might be required to take over when prompted. And finally, at level 5, this is the maxi level of automation. Here, you can sit in the back seat and let the computer act as the chauffeur. Most cars today are in level 1 and 2, and may have some level 3 capacity as well, from flicking on cruise control to letting the car take the headache and anxiety of reverse parallel parking. But some companies are forging ahead with efforts to hit level 5. The systems being developed by various companies to put self-driving cars on the road are different, but they share some common principles. First, you need sensors. Many will use a suite of technologies including radar, lidar, optical cameras and ultrasound. Radar and lidar are important. Radar emits a radio pulse, while lidar emits a light pulse. These pulses are beamed out from the vehicle, hit an object, and echo back off of those objects to the vehicle, giving shape to the world that the vehicle is travelling through. 
bats and dolphins are a couple of species that use their own radar technology, as it were, also known as echolocation, to navigate. In principle, this information tells the vehicle's computer systems the distance from objects in the surrounding environment, such as other vehicles on the road, the motorcycle squeezing through traffic lanes during gridlock, the parent pushing a pram across a pedestrian crossing. To know for sure what the objects are, cameras mounted to the vehicle effectively act as the eyes of the vehicle. These images are fed into the driving control system, which uses complex algorithms to continuously interpret crucial road objects like traffic signals, human beings, and road signs. For dynamic objects, like people, predictive algorithms can be used to help the vehicle estimate what might happen next. Will the parent with the pram continue walking in a consistent direction across the zebra crossing? In all likelihood, yes. Will the jogger running on the footpath suddenly dart across the zebra crossing as well? Well, possibly. The data obtained from these sensors and camera systems are also supported by things like downloaded map data and GPS information. Bundling this information together for interpretation and action by the vehicle's control system is very intensive, computationally speaking and it has both advantages and risks. With such sophisticated sensor technology being deployed from a vehicle in seemingly every direction to feed into this control system, there's the potential for the computer to see things that a person normally wouldn't. But there's the question, rightly, that many people ask about this technology. What happens if a fully autonomous car is presented with a difficult decision? Issues with data inputs, the risk of hacking for instance, and being presented with difficult ethical decisions on the road are all questions that autonomous vehicle developers are spending a huge amount of brain power trying to solve. In 2022, researchers from the universities of Michigan, Florida, and Japan's University of Electrocommunications hacked a car by shining a malicious laser into the car's LiDAR system. This scrambled the effectiveness of the LiDAR to the point where it might drive through a pedestrian crossing and not detect a person walking on it. This experiment proved such a system could be disrupted and potentially have grave consequences. Doesn't sound good, does it? Nor does the oft-posed question, what if a car swerves to avoid another vehicle, but hits a pedestrian using the footpath? One solution to this might be an ethical algorithm, which fairly distributes risk to road users when an AV needs to make a difficult decision. One such algorithm was published this year by machine learning researchers at the Technical University of Munich in Germany. They took 20 AV recommendations from an independent panel working for the European Union Commission Directorate General for Research and Innovation and incorporated them into an algorithm. This algorithm weighs important ethical principles such as risk minimization, prioritizing the most vulnerable, treating people equally, considering maximum acceptable risk, and upholding a culture of responsibility. As a result of this algorithm, the car's tendency to swerve aggressively or slam the brakes was reduced. One benefit of AVs is, supposedly, they'll take the human out of human error, potentially making road use safer. 
but that also relies on having a very, 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 very good system. In 2020, AAA, that's the American Automobile Association, found only 12% of drivers would trust going in a self-driving car, and 28% were unsure of whether they liked the idea of self-driving technology at all. Almost three in five people wanted to know who has liability in the event of a crash, and half want to see laws introduced to make cars safe. This year, AAA's data showed trust of being in a driverless car had declined to 9%, while two-thirds of people were afraid to have a computer in control. On top of this, predictions about the benefits of self-driving cars are mixed as well. While one of the regularly cited upsides is the ability to reduce congestion on the road, research from Adelaide and Monash universities has, in recent years, made some pretty valid points. If driverless vehicles are more convenient and people use them to make more trips, we could actually see more congestion on our roads, particularly if cars are used for single passenger journeys. While manufacturers improve their technology for passenger vehicles, there are forays being made into other forms of transportation, including the use of commercial autonomous vehicles. Think about drone deliveries to your door or footpath-based mail deliveries. Many of our capital cities are also trialling or implementing automatic and autonomous public transport, buses in Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth, and trains in Sydney. Let's take the Sydney train. It's automatic or driverless, operating on lines segregated from driver-operated carriages. It works by using a communication-based train control system to send signals from the train to infrastructure to coordinate things like traffic management as trains roll through, with humans at a control centre providing continuous monitoring of the train. Software used to automate the vehicle manages distance to other vehicles, Together, this can allow more trains to operate on a line because the system knows where each vehicle is. Yes, it's a very exciting time for fans of tech and transport. Still, if those opinion polls are anything to go by, manufacturers and authorities will need to put plenty of work into building public confidence if they want to succeed in getting more vehicles to do the driving for us. For the latest in science news, don't forget to check out the Science Briefing, also available here on the Listener app, and head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next time for another Huh? Science Explained. <laughs>